Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Some persecutors imply that I was in it for the money. Perhaps it is well to set the record straight. The late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong wrote this in his autobiography, chapter 35, titled Uphill All the Way. Now, Mr. Armstrong did an incredible work for God for over five decades, 1934 through 1986. That's really when the work spanned. And people probably just don't realize how hard it was for Mr. Armstrong at the start. That's exactly what Mr. Armstrong is saying here. And by the way, you can find his autobiography for free at thetrumpet.com. Get your own copy there. You can also read it online there. But Mr. Armstrong says, he, he even goes through all the details of how much financial hardship he went through. He even lists the initial eight coworkers who supported him going on the radio in Oregon and how they were able to make between 25 cents and $1 per month commitments to supporting the radio. Those amounts of money might seem tiny today. And yet back at that time, it was quite a commitment to make, especially just coming out of the great depression and Mr. Armstrong was worse off than most of the people who were supporting him. The people who were making massive sacrifices to the work by just pledging 25 cents per month. Mr. Armstrong actually went through 28 years of poverty. And he expounds on why it was necessary for that poverty to last for so long. And I just think it's an amazing example that Mr. Armstrong set for all of us to not just mope through the hard times and sulk and think he didn't deserve it, but to really reflect on those trials and understand why they took place, why God would allow this to happen to him. He did have to go through the ringer, as they say. And it was 
super necessary as well. Mr. Armstrong explains how he had set up a false God in his life. He had an idol in place of God. And to him, that idol was being successful, being so important that even the important people thought he was important. He wanted status. He wanted a claim. He wanted to be thought well of by his associates. Mr. Armstrong was an ambitious, successful businessman. He knew how to reach hearts and minds through a simple advertisement. He, can ad he could advertise a product to the point that people reading his type would feel like they absolutely had to have the product. And that's quite a skill. Typically, we come across advertisements and skip right past them. Mr. Armstrong could catch the eye and keep the eye and convince people to read all the way to the end and then take action. He set up his own ad business. He was the ad manager for some pretty large clients. And yet the depression wiped all of that out. It all got swept away by circumstances beyond his control. Now, instead of being depressed and discouraged by this and demoralized to the point of never building back up, Mr. Armstrong took the time to think about why it took place in the first place. So he's writing here about smashing your idol. He says, whoever you are, you have or you have had an idol. You have had another God before the true living almighty God. It might be your hobby or your habitual pastime. It might be your husband or wife or child or children. It might be your job. It might be your own vanity or the lipstick you paint on, or your business or profession. Very often, it is the opinion of your friends, your family, your group of social or business contacts. You see, this relates to every single one of us. This is an experience that Mr. Armstrong went through for your benefit, for my benefit. 28 years of poverty as a lesson to us and we've all had an idol we might have plenty of them right now how often do we change what we do based on what other people will think that is an overpowering idol making decisions not based on right or wrong but based on popular opinion that's one of the most persuasive idols of all we all naturally care very much what other people think 
Mr. Armstrong calls that an idol. He continues, but whatever it is, that idol must first be crushed, smashed. It must be literally torn out of your mind, even though it hurts more than having all your teeth pulled out and perhaps a jawbone too. I don't believe that many people experience this painlessly. I don't know of any anesthetic that will render it pleasurable. Usually, it seems like something more excruciating than the agony of death by the cruelest torture. Mr. Armstrong, from 28 years of poverty, learned about how to smash an idol. His idol of fame, of success. He cared about what other people thought of him, and that was his idol. And now instead of Mr. Armstrong thinking that period of time was too long to suffer, 28 years is too long for him to learn just one lesson, he actually agreed with God that it was the right amount of time. That is just an incredible, humble, childlike attitude. He wrote, so God first took away my business in Chicago by bankrupting every major client. Twice later, he again swept businesses that promised multi-million dollar rewards right out from under my feet. He brought me down to poverty and to hunger. So three times total when Mr. Armstrong was on the cusp of rich success, he was leveled. He writes, instead of ego, vanity, and self-importance, God fed me for 28 long years on the raw and scanty diet of humiliation and poverty. Now notice this. Notice this. He agrees with this 28-year punishment. He thinks that was the right length of time. Had God merely let me suffer financial reverses, even to the point of experiencing real hunger, for short periods of a few weeks, I would have bounded back and quickly set back up my idol to serve again. Had God let me suffer that kind of humiliation and poverty, even for a period of a year, or even six or seven years, I probably would have resumed the same sense of ego once back on my financial feet. What an astounding attitude. The perfect attitude for approaching a trial, for comprehending why a trial. He knew that he needed not just poverty, 
not just humbling through business failures, but 28 years of it. That is just outstanding. And from this, Mr. Armstrong learned to permanently smash that idol of fame and what other people thought of him. That idol never came back. 28 years and it was gone forever. His entire worldview was switched. His mind was changed and it was locked on a better goal. Matthew 6 verse 33. Mr. Armstrong sought first the kingdom of God. And then he received all the acclaim and success as an added bonus, as a side benefit. All of that came after he established the kingdom of God as his first goal. Mr. Armstrong clarifies that physical success is good. It just can't be the be all end all. It can't be our sole purpose, our main focus. He says, what is wrong and therefore harmful to our own selves is setting our hearts on these things instead of on the true values, the love of material things, the vanity of wanting to exalt the self instead of God of wanting the worshipful praise of men by being considered important, these are the wrong things to set our hearts upon. When the heart is set on such false values, the soul shrinks inwardly and dries up. Thank God he saved me from such a fate by that 28 years of poverty and humility. So Mr. Armstrong not only agreed that he needed to be humbled, he also agreed with that humbling, that poverty lasting for 28 years. And not only that, he even thanked God for it. He realized that he was only hurting himself by having a false idol in place of the one true God. He was only limiting his potential. He was robbing himself of an understanding of the true values. Only God can show us our purpose in life. Only God can show us the one way to lasting abundance and peace. The type of of abundance and peace that lasts beyond death. Only God can deliver us that life-changing truth. 
So Mr. Armstrong avoided his soul shrinking inwardly and drying up. Or his his life. Life itself would have slipped away. The meaning of life would have been completely overlooked by Mr. Armstrong without experiencing that 28 years of poverty. There's another subhead here in chapter 35 of Mr. Armstrong's autobiography, again, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. This subhead is titled Dying to Live. And he's talking about real repentance, real lasting change. It, for Mr. Armstrong, it took 28 years for lasting change. What an incredible story. He says, if God could take that completely defeated, worthless, self-confessed failure to which I had been reduced and use that life to develop and build what he has done, he can take your life too and use it in a manner you simply cannot now dream if you will turn it over to him without reservation and leave it in his hands. What has happened since gives me no glory, but it magnifies again the power of God to take a worthless tool and accomplish his will through it. Try to imagine if you were in Mr. Armstrong's place and you traveled the world and met dozens of world leaders and had an audience of millions of people watching your television program, reading your articles. Would you call yourself a worthless tool? Again, what a perfect attitude, as perfect as a human being's attitude could possibly be. How could we possibly have that kind of humility in his position? It's hard to even comprehend. That is the value of 28 years of poverty. Mr. Armstrong was not an arrogant peacock. And the whole reason for that was 28 years of poverty where his former idol of worldly business success was smashed. It changed everything for him. Mr. Armstrong was so poor that the brethren in the early days of the work had to pitch in to pay for him to have a new suit when his only suit became worn out beyond use. Some members were inspired to start a fund for Mr. Armstrong to buy a used car. They helped him get a house. So for people to say that Mr. Armstrong was in it for the money, he couldn't afford anything. His family was barely able to feed themselves. 
the amount of contributions that the members made usually was not enough. And Mr. Armstrong had to rely on God to provide the rest of the money to keep him in that weekly radio slot in Oregon to keep on going through other open doors in the work. God had to work miracles. Mr. Armstrong had to trust God totally to provide. And it wasn't until after those 28 years of poverty that Mr. Armstrong finally started to live a more enjoyable life physically without all that suffering. I mean, if, if we were in that position and we were doing it for the money, we'd probably think that we should stop long before 28 years. Maybe there'd be a better money-making scheme than what, what we're doing at the moment. If, it, if we're in poverty for 28 whole years, so clearly Mr. Armstrong's critics did not know what they were talking about. Mr. Armstrong could have quit in the very early days where he wasn't even making enough money to provide his own suits or his own car or his own house. And that is the value of the support that God gave him, the people around him to do the work. The work could not have been done if it were just Mr. Armstrong. Co-workers, members of the church are immensely valuable. Mr. Armstrong's early days doing the work are absolute proof of that. We can all take encouragement from that. Our support does help thousands of people receive the true gospel message, the good news of the coming kingdom of God. Each one of us is just one out of many thousands of people in the world. One of perhaps millions even who is actually hearing God's message and supporting it. The work moves forward with miracles and with fervent support from a small group of people. These people who helped Mr. Armstrong rallied around him during his 28 years of humiliating poverty. Now, Mr. Armstrong did not end his life poor. He did not finish his life as a pauper. God did eventually bless him, but that was because he put the kingdom first. Second Corinthians eight verse nine shows that this is a Christ like attitude. Second Corinthians eight verse nine, for you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes, he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. Is that not exactly the example that Mr. Armstrong followed? 
did not Mr. Armstrong become poor to make your life and my life rich? Are we not enriched all the time by all of the foundational doctrines that he restored to God's church? You can go to the trumpet.com and see all kinds of books and booklets that he wrote that the Philadelphia church of God today has the copyrights to and can freely distribute to you materials that will change your life and make you spiritually rich. We can all be made rich by Mr. Armstrong's poverty. And he was, of course was following that example of Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.